It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the mind of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hey everybody, welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on Monday, September 3rd. Happy Labor Day to everybody. After an LA Galaxy 6-2 loss to Real Salt Lake on Saturday night in Rio Tinto Stadium. A, uh, an interesting game, uh, to say the least. A lot of storylines popping up from this. And of course, the LA Galaxy's playoff chances really, really down in the dumps now. Uh, it was always going to be a struggle, but... Uh, I, I think maybe this hole is too deep for them to climb out of. It's something we're going to talk to. But before we do that, we want to talk to uh, the panda himself, traveling far and near to cover soccer in the United States. Mr. Kevin Baxter, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, it's the god of the pod, the master podcaster, Josh Gessman. As you know, you mentioned I'm traveling. I am in the Corner of the Galaxy East Coast Regional Office now in uh, Whippany, New Jersey. As you know, I'm out here with the uh, U.S. men's national team. But because you are not here watching what I do every second of the day and browbeating me, as you do around the office, today I actually got out onto the links for a little bit, um, warming up for that uh, Corner of the Galaxy invitation, golf invitational coming up. Um, so I was out on the links. Um, you know what they say, read it, roll it, hole it. And I've been working on that. That's my philosophy now for uh, get the putter out. Um, and uh, I know you'll talk about it a little bit later, but we got that Corner of the Galaxy um, tournament coming up. And, you know, in the Masters, you win the green jacket. Right. And uh, in our tournament, you win the Paisley Windbreaker. Don't and be- I, I sure hope that's available in an extra medium because I'm taking that puppy home. I was going to say. Uh, sounds like good. No, why don't we tell people uh, again now, if you've seen it on our Facebook page or talked about it on Twitter or Facebook or anywhere else? Uh, the Panda and Pato go mini golfing, uh, mini golf extravaganza happening on September 16th. It's an 11 a.m. tee off time. Uh, you can always show up a couple minutes early. I'm sure I'll be there at Camelot Mini Golf in Anaheim. I've I've looked far wide uh, all through the uh, through the Southland there, Kevin. I've looked for everything I could find in terms of the best mini golf course in Southern California, and I've been told that Camelot Mini Golf, which I've never played by, by the way, uh, Camelot Mini Golf is the place to play. Uh, there are castles, uh, there are moats, uh, there are greens, there are little tiny golf balls. And uh, well, I, I thought about, Kevin, I thought about getting golf balls with your and I's head on them uh, for everybody. I don't think those are going to make it in time, so that'll have to be for the second annual uh, Pando and Pato uh, well, mini golfing. You know, you keep saying mini golf. There's no such thing as mini golf. There's only many people. You yeah. know, it's real golf. It's competitive. Augusta National had been booked for that weekend, so right. we couldn't go there. Right, we tried. We, we will make make do with Camelot. Plus that whole, you know, they really struggle to admit women as members thing for a while at Augusta there. So, you know, just didn't want to give them our business. Uh, We're going to allow women to play? <laughs> Apparently. that's what I'm, off, I'm going off the women's tees. I know that. <laughs> yeah, we both are. Uh, I would just like to warn everybody in advance, Kevin, um, that I am ridiculously competitive whenever it comes to mini golf. So if I do throw anything, I apologize in advance. But no, I think it'll be a good time. Everybody can show up. Uh, just go to our Facebook page. Go to uh, Facebook Corner of the Galaxy. You can see the event there. Click on the RSVP button. Tell me, tell me that you're interested in going. So I sort of have an idea of how many people are going to go. And we can give the golf course a, uh, a call 
let them know that uh, Panda and Pato uh, listeners are going to be invading uh, Camelot Mini Golf in, in oh, Anaheim. They're going to close it. They are. They probably will. Like, close no, for down, renovation. Down for maintenance. Down for maintenance. So anyway, Camelot Mini hey, Golf. You know, the thing is with the corner office here in, in Whippany, New Jersey, uh, my corner office here, which, by the way, thank you for the uh, the nice flowers and the gift basket. Yes. But uh, the, the, the chair does not squeak. Oh, well, that's good. That's, well, somebody said that they were they were going to get you a can of WD-40 for your birthday, and, and we haven't even mentioned, but happy birthday, uh, Mr. Panda there. Um, 29 again. 20, Where does the time go? I'll tell you. Um, but no, I mean, uh, somebody said that, you know, they, they were going to give you a can of WD-40 for your birthday um, just to get that chair from squeaking. And I said, you know, last time he actually switched chairs. So I we, did. We wouldn't hear it squeaking, and if you did hear any squeaking, it was probably just your old bones. So. Yeah, or it might have been the dog. The dog does a good imitation of a, of a chair squeaking. I'm going to blame the dog from now on. That's a, that's a good idea. I like that. All right, back to the LA Galaxy now that we've had some of our little bit of fun Do there. Do we have to? Do yeah. we have to? <laughs> you, you suggested we just replay the 5 nothing loss to Seattle as the podcast and say that about covers it because it's about the same. It does. Let, let's, let's, before we get started, let's set, set the foundation. The Galaxy, since the end of July, the last six games, 0-3-3, winless in six games. They've been outscored 18-7. to They've been scored 12 to three in their last three games, and in that period since July 29th, Salatan has one goal. And I'm not saying it's Salatan's fault. Uh, by you know, it, it, he they wouldn't be in this conversation, the, the Galaxy, the playoff conversation without Zlatan. But I think it does kind of point out that when Zlatan's on, he tends to rescue them and cover up some faults. And when he's not able to score for whatever reason, uh, in Colorado he didn't go, so it's hard to score when you're not playing. But, you know, other games where he's been marked very tightly or just didn't get opportunities, Seattle, he didn't go either. When they don't have Zlatan playing his uh, dominant role, there are holes that are uh, exposed and they struggle. Well, I mean, it's even more than that because we talked to Galaxy players throughout last week, Kevin, and we're talking about how they were all calling this a must-win game. Um, now, granted, we both knew mathematically it wasn't must-win, but this was a game that they knew they needed to get three points from. To go out and get a 6-2 loss, which, by the way, is, if you want to measure it uh, in terms of worst-ever losses, it is the most goals tied for the most goals they've ever given up. They also had a 6-2 loss, as we know, Kevin, uh, to, uh, to uh, Real Salt Lake last year on July 4th that was 6-2 at StubHub Center. Um, so this is... This is the scary part of this is that they had, in terms of their performance, one of the worst losses in franchise history. They had a 6-3 loss, by the way, uh, to Dallas in 2009 as well. But the 5 nothing losses, which we just talked about against Seattle, are technically the worst losses ever. And the 6-2 losses are the most goals given up in a loss ever uh, tied for that in, in those three games. So, I mean, you're looking at a team right now that went out with the mindset, Kevin, that they had to get a must win and they fell completely and totally flat on their face. Well, they, I mean, they did come out and score in the first minute, right? That I mean, should, they did that come should, out. That should have been a bad, bad thing. They did score, but this is the danger. This is where I, I actually agree with Ziggy um, about not calling any of these games a must win. And this is something I've heard from people in all, managers, primarily not players. Players get a little overexcited, uh, but managers, coaches in every sport is never call a game a must win. Why? Because then if you lose, what do you call the next game? Uh, you already said, if we don't win this game we're, it's must win or we're done. The only must win is when you're facing elimination and the galaxy can see that from here, but they're not there yet. So, uh, the players did say, uh, but, but to your point, so uh, Ziggy being a little bit cautious, which I think is probably a smart thing, 
the players are the ones that played the game, though, and the players are the ones that said this was a must-win, and then the players went out and gave up six goals. I, I will tell you this. In terms of the must-win portion, we knew that it would be difficult to come back from a loss at Real Salt Lake, mostly because it was a six-point game. It was going to give Real Salt Lake some comfort. The only other team, by the way, in the Western Conference, Kevin, that has as many games played as the LA Galaxy. So they were on level terms when they entered, and a win there could have vaulted the LA Galaxy into a playoff spot and kept Real Salt Lake from running away from them. And so your playoff chances would have increased dramatically. We talked uh, I think on last Monday's podcast that uh, 538.com had the LA Galaxy chances at 31%. Uh, by the time it came around to our Thursday show, those those because of the uh, midweek game between Toronto and Portland, um, those, those chances had dropped 28%. And right now, as they stand, the LA Galaxy in eighth place in the Western Conference, uh, 538.com is predicting a, a 13% chance of the LA Galaxy making the playoffs now, um, which is, I think, the last team sort of in the Western Conference that still has any sort of reasonable chance uh, at making the playoffs because everybody else who is below them, Minnesota, Houston, and Colorado, and San Jose. Um, San Jose, by the way, who was eliminated from the playoffs this last weekend. Um, and who looks to be the prime contender for the wooden spoon that's sitting here in my office and ready to uh, be carted off uh, very quickly. Uh, but uh, as you look at this, they, the LA Galaxy, the last team in the Western Conference that still have a chance of making the playoffs that aren't uh, already in the playoffs. So it's L.A., Vancouver still battling for uh, possibly the last spot with Portland and Seattle, who both have games in hand, Real Salt Lake and Sporting Kansas City, and LAFC, who's in second, uh, FC Dallas in first. So, I mean, you're looking at the results and what happened in this game, Kevin. It's a huge hit to the L.A. Galaxy's playoff hopes. And even though they're only three points out of the out of a playoff position right now, they're, they have 38 points, Portland has 41 points. They're only three points out of it. They're not that far. They're not that far removed. Even when you but say that Portland has Portland has two extra games. They do. Them. They do. And so does Seattle. Seattle has two extra games in there as well. So that's why it really is more than three points. But as we stand right now, they're only three points out of a playoff. If Portland and Seattle lose both of those games, unlikely, um, then you could see that they would still only be three points. Remember, games in hand only count when people win. Everybody always wants to gift those three points to the people who have the games in hand, Kevin, because I remember the Galaxy having games in hand and being like, oh, well, if you win those games, you can climb up. Well, no, that's not. You have to win the games. You absolutely have to win them in order to really take advantage of them. If you lose them, it's just a waste of games. So here's Ziggy's road to the playoffs. He talked about this before the Salt Lake game. Um, And he said that they have three home games left, the Galaxy do, and they have to win all three of them. Um, uh, those he did pretty much call must-win games. He said, we need to win all three of our home games. They have Vancouver, Seattle, and Houston coming up yes. at home. They need to win all three of those. Uh, I, they could beat Houston. They probably have a chance of beating Vancouver, which is ahead of them in the standings and also has one game in hand. Seattle's going to be really tough. But Ziggy says got to win all three of those, and then we need to pick up three points in our final three road games. If they continue to play on the road as they have in their last two, which let's remind everybody, they lost their last two games by a combined 11-2. to two. Right. So if they continue to play on the road like that, they're not going to get three points on the road. But th- that's Ziggy's road to the playoffs. That's 12 points. That's 50. He said, had earlier in the season said 51 points. 50, uh, 50 probably. over one point. Yeah, it's, 50 it's, is probably pretty that, close. That's his road to the playoffs. He needs... Three wins at home and three points on the road. Ooh, it's going to be tough to get. Let's talk about the game specifically because there were some surprises in here. And quite honestly, I want to make sure I get this out in front of everybody because all I did was get questions about this and then arguments after the game of why Siggy Schmidt, Kevin, did not start the exact same lineup 
that he had against LAFC because we all know that was a successful defensive performance. Why didn't you start the exact same lineup that you had last time, Siggy? Because clearly Siggy's inept. That's what everybody's saying. He, he changes things for no reason, Kevin. That's the argument right now, even though our good friend uh, Christian Miles, who uh, a friend of the show and also does the play-by-play for the LA Galaxy on the radio slash YouTube slash Sirius XM um, feed there whenever Joe Tatino's that, doing it. That's a lot of slashes. It is. They, they broadcast it far and wide and, and catch a, a couple fish in, in, in the actual uh, broadcast there. Um, but Christian Miles put out that this is, uh, as the LA Galaxy put out a starting lineup against Real Salt Lake, it is the 27th different starting lineup out of 28 games. 27 different lineups in 28 games. If you want to tell me one thing, if I'm going to tell you one thing, and they're combined together, it's actually these two things that combine into one thing. But the number one reason the LA Galaxy have underperformed this year, because I think they're a better team than what they've shown, uh, the number one reason they've underperformed this year is because of that fact, is the fact that the lineups have not stayed the same. And for the most part, that's not on Siggy Schmidt. That has been on the injuries that the LA Galaxy have carried. It has been on the three designated players who apparently can't stay healthy enough and or refuse to play anymore. Um, it is that reason that the LA Galaxy have totally underperformed, probably about 10 or 11 points, um, I would argue, this year. Uh, with this team and what this team is possibly capable of. That is that is the number one reason, and you saw it specifically in this game, Kevin, with Michael Ciani coming back into the back line, which everybody knew was probably going to be a mistake, but the reason that they had to do it was Siggy wanted to keep Felcher in the game. He wanted to, he had to put Felcher into position whenever Chris Pontius was out, out for this game, which was a surprise. I found out about that uh, early on game day, actually. Uh, early in the morning, I found out that uh, Chris Pontius and Sebastian Legette were both injured, and Legette was possibly going to play, but Pontius was not playing at all. And without Pontius being able to play at that right wing-back position, you could not have the same lineup that you had the previous uh, previous game, and therefore Siani comes into the middle, Felcher's out at right wing back, Dave Romney's at right back um, in that three-man back line with Shelvick, Siani, uh, Romney, Ashley Cole at the left wing back position, and you saw Michael Siani get victimized three times for three goals very quickly in this game. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it, it's one of those things. I think Siggy would have gladly started that same back line uh, if he could have figured out a way to do it. Oh, contraire, me, me sure. Yes. Pato. Yes. Poor, poor Pato. You're you're way out again. You didn't fly south for the winter for the, this one. Um, the the injuries could, you know, and Ziggy has talked about that. He's talked about it a lot more in the last month than he did earlier. And it seems to me, it feels to me like it's an excuse more than a reason. And there's a difference between an excuse and a reason. Um, I think the injuries are a reason, but now it's becoming an excuse and it's becoming a way to um, not justify, but but sort of um, uh, stomach the losses, I guess. I mean, Seattle is without Jordan Morris and, and Clint Dempsey. And you can we can talk about how valuable Clint Dempsey would would have been. But they really took off on this run when they lost those two guys. Um you know, injuries haven't bothered Seattle. Every team and every sport has injuries. It's how, you know, Portland's had some injuries. It's how you overcome those injuries. Um, and some teams use the injuries as an excuse or a justification for their poor performance. And other teams step it up and overcome them. And, yes, the Galaxy have missed a lot of key players. I know you have some stats there on Allison Drini, how he is just exactly uh, – he's becoming a third Dos Santos brother, third DP. And he's just – as far as his minutes played, he's become one of the Dos Santos brothers. So maybe we have – Trace Santos is now. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm just not buying it. Good teams overcome this. Um, you know, Siani was an injured guy, and then he's back in there. And as you said, coughs up three goals. 
Um, it, it, I, I just, I just don't get it. There has been a lot of moving parts, especially in the midfield. Sebastian the Jets had to play out of position sometimes. Allison Drini's played out of position, but this is a team with Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Um, you know, Bingham has really struggled the last couple of games. I've been defending him all year. I thought, uh, he's, he was having a pretty good season. And I still think the numbers you can justify, or you can make an argument that he's still having a decent season. It, it just hasn't been helped by the people in front of him. But Dave Romney told me last week after that great performance against LAFC, he said, you know, we know we have that in the, in us now and we just have to bring it out on a regular basis. How do you go from a, a they played the highest scoring team in the division, LAFC, and held them to a penalty kick. And then they go to Real Salt Lake, you know, one of the actually worst scoring or had been a poor scoring team in, in the division and give up six goals, you know, until Salt Lake scored 12 goals in back-to-back games, first time that's ever been done in MLS. They were not a very uh, powerful offensive team, and all of a sudden they just light the galaxy up. So, you know, I understand what you're saying about the injuries, but I think it's more an excuse um, than a reason, and, and I think they're using it as a crutch, pardon the pun. But they're using the injuries as a crutch. Well, you, I mean, they, they had injuries last year. That Kurt Onofo had a ton of injuries. Kurt yes. Onofo could not start the same lineup. And Kurt Onofo was fired. So if Kurt Onofo cannot use an excuse, if Kurt Onofo loses his job because of the injuries and because of the front office giving him a roster that didn't work, if Kurt Onofo loses his job because of that, how then can we turn around and say, Siki Schmidt, you're the winningest coach in MLS history, and you can't figure this out, so – we're going to give you the same out that Kronoffel had, only you get to keep your job. Well, no, I mean, it, you're right. There, there's a double standard there. But the real question is, where where does that fault lie in, in terms of, you know, the players that they brought in and and the depth that they created? I, I'd say that this team is much better and is deeper than last year's team, and it shows that by being 11 points better through the same number of games. Um, that that's pretty easy to, to understand, and your eye tells you that as well. And anybody who says that this team is as bad as last year's team does need glasses. Um, this team is, is far and above way more uh, entertaining, way more skillful, way more deep than, than anything that you saw last year from the LA Galaxy. And we certainly said that was a poorly constructed roster last year. But whenever you have... Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos only playing 32% of the minutes. Whenever you have Jonathan Dos Santos playing 54.6% of the total available minutes and Roman Alessandrini playing 55.4% of the total available minutes. And by the way, Jonathan and Gio at least went away to the World Cup there for a little bit. Roman Alessandrini stayed home and is still only playing the same number of minutes, basically, as Jonathan Dos Santos. Uh, 1376 for JDS, and uh, Alessandrini is 1395. So you're talking about two players who have uh, who are designated players for the Galaxy who have played just over half the minutes, and your third designated player only at 32.1. And as much as people want to you know hate and bag on Gio, the bottom line is the Galaxy are better when he's on the field, and he should be on the field a lot more. The fact that he played in this game. I think they rushed him back. I think they rushed Allison Drini back. I think they rushed Legette back. But you couldn't start the same lineup. And if they had started the same lineup, I think that they would have had a little more success. The only thing I think Siggy could have done differently in terms of the starting lineup is you could toss Siani back to the bench and you could bring in Brad for Jamison and let him play at the right wing position. Um, which is not a position he's really played all that much this year uh, and would have been a little bit of a gamble on the defensive side. But as it was, it turned out to be a defensive gamble uh, and it totally lost. And and the other part about this in this game, and I will say this, that up to a certain point, it was 2-1 at halftime, Kevin. Uh, the Galaxy almost score a header that, uh, that, go, that, um, that hits the post and Nick Romano comes up that really would have made it... You know what? A two-two game, and then the referees uh, blew dead a completely and totally onside Ola Kamara, who was in alone on Nick Ramondo. Um, which, by the way, 
lots of people tweeting about me, tweeting asking me why can't VAR review that stuff, and it's because the referee blew the whistle. It's because the referee put the flag up, and they're really told not to do that. That if it's close, which by the way, when you look at the replay, Ola Kamara is a hundred percent on. It would have been clear and obvious that he was on side if they kept the flag down, um, and because they didn't, you know, the Galaxy didn't get a chance to score there, and they didn't get it. Now, having said all that. Uh, Kevin, they got absolutely completely dominated in the second half and, and totally lost the plot. Uh, the 6-2 is, is, a, is a worthy score and probably could have been worse if you really look at it. Um, and I would also like to point out the true highlight of this game, the 6-2 loss, and something that will be forever remembered will be, of course, my appearance in the first half uh, on the field. Pato himself showing up and, uh, and delaying the game for three or four minutes. And by the way, uh, Pato, uh, myself, the duck, uh, is, it kept RSL off the board. So I would just like to point that That's out. That's right. Yeah. You did a very good job. Um, the turning point in the game, it seemed to me, as you talked about two, two to one in halftime. Yeah, the 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 bad luck, the 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 ball going off the post, and then the referee's decision. That that definitely factors into him. Not it, it taking that uh, that away at all, but it seemed like the collapse began with the Siani own goal, which I saw a lot of people um, tweeting about that. My recollection, and I don't know, maybe you have stats on this. That's the second Siani own goal in like the last month, but it's only the third of the season. The other one was the Daryl, uh, Daniel Steris own goal against yeah. LAFC in the first El Trafico. And going back to your point about Allison Drini, uh, the minutes may be a little bit down. He has had some injury problems, but he's still been way more productive than the Dos, than the Dos Santai. Uh, yes. He has nine goals and five assists. That's, that's not bad. Uh, he has been, uh, you know, effective when he's been out there in the field. But obviously, your point is he hasn't been out there nearly enough. And there doesn't seem to be much help coming up from LA Galaxy too. With with all these injury problems, you know, that was again. I I, I hate to keep going back to it, but we were sold that argument that hey, LA Galaxy two, this is the future. This is where we're going to get our guys coming from the academy in LA Galaxy two. And last year, Kurt was forced to use those guys the year before Bruce brought guys up. I remember Sturris and Romney and a lot of people came up to, uh, from Galaxy 2 and from the Academy. Uh, Giassi's artist was an Academy guy. Kind um, of. There's just kind no of. Don't, reinforcements. Don't, don't give, don't give Zardis the full Academy treatment. He was there for just long enough to be able to be considered an Academy player and then a homegrown player. They really timed it out almost exactly. The exact minimum amount of time. So that was a little bit of a of a snow job in terms of true... But you're right. He did come from the Academy. He ends up being a homegrown player. I don't want to... There was supposed to be this revolving door between which actually, if it works, is a pretty good idea. You keep fresh people coming up. Um, I talked to a couple of L.A. Galaxy 2 players last year who were MLS veterans that played around MLS um, and signed with L.A. Galaxy 2 when they had richer offers and chances to play on a first team roster with other clubs. They wanted to play for the Galaxy and they, they felt like the new philosophy of giving guys L.A. Galaxy 2 a chance um, that if they could prove themselves that they would get to play for the first team and they get to play for the Galaxy, and that's what they wanted to do. And 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 now both those guys are still there, kind of stranded. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm just saying, you know, on paper, that looked like a pretty good idea. Obviously, they've gotten away from that, and Ziggy is not really um, – I know he takes issue with this, but he's not really a big believer in playing a lot of young players anyway. So um, that thing probably went out when, when Ziggy got hired. Well, well, um, I mean, but it also went out whenever he decided to to annex the entire LA Galaxy 2 roster that basically was brought up from LA Galaxy 2 and started on the senior team last year. I mean, you look at Jose Villarreal, Jaime Villarreal, Jack McBean. Uh, I mean, even go back probably to, to Oscar Sorto being gone. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, Raul Mendiola. Uh, he, he annexed all those players. I mean, that was gone. There was, there was no more to those guys. Um, so you look at what happened with 
with LA Galaxy 2 and the the players that were being built up and being te- termed as these the next generation in a good academy, they all got released last year whenever or this year whenever Siggy Schmidt came in and now LA Galaxy 2's really had to build back up from from the start again. You have Efren Alvarez, you have Yanez in there as well and there's a couple other guys who are starting to sort of show themselves, but when you wipe those guys clean, you basically reset LA Galaxy 2 and it's been shown by their results this year very uh very inconsistent um although you've seen some great performances from guys like Alvarez and and Yanez. So I think there's still there's still some chance for those guys to build and come up, but the bottom line was that Siggy, when he came in, cleaned house down there. There was nobody left in terms of the homegrown players to really build around anymore. Well, here's here's the $65,000 million question, whatever that phrase is, for Pato. This is the Pato quiz of the day. So you have a Galaxy team that has a nine-game unbeaten streak uh, late, fa- uh, late spring into early summer. It goes into July. Nine-game unbeaten streak. They, have, they score more goals during that period than any team in MLS. And then they get to August, and all of a sudden, zero three and three, winless since July 29th, and outscored 18 to seven in that period. Outscored, uh, what, what did we say it was? 12 to three in their last three games. Right. How do you go from setting the world afire and climbing those the, the playoff standings up until third, uh, up to th- third in the in the conference? I believe they might have actually been tied on points for second at one point, um, and now all of a sudden they just fall apart. Um, it, you know, again, you talk about the injuries. Well, they fought through injuries in that period too, but they they still were able to succeed, and and they hit some sort of roadblock, whether it's mental, phys- mental, physical, whatever it is. I uh, out here at the uh, regional office here in Whippany, where the U.S. national team is training. I went to U.S. national team training today. Saw Sebastian and saw Jesse's artist. They were both there, very excited to get going. But I also spoke to some people there who have a long uh, association with the Galaxy, been around the Galaxy. Um, know this the system and everything, and uh, I said, "What what's going on out there? What's wrong?" And they said, "You know, this would take more than a half an hour to explain all this to you." Yeah. So uh, apparently, the feeling is that it's deeper than just a cosmetic change. Yeah, I'll tell you this: uh, seven weeks ago, I had the LA Galaxy in third place in the Western Conference. They now sit in eighth place, so they've dropped five positions in basically uh, seven weeks. That's 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 the high. They're they're at one point, I think, in week uh, eight or nine. Uh, they were in second place. Uh, I think that was right after the LAFC win. Uh, quite honestly, it was it was somewhere in there, but it was it was real close to that. The LA Galaxy were in second place in the Western Conference. Uh, the highest they've ever been in the Supporter Shield race was sixth, um, and seven weeks ago they were in seventh in the Supporter Shield race. That's uh, according to the ones I have. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have an explanation for it. I mean, you thought the Yellow Galaxy were starting to hit a groove. You thought the confidence was building. You thought that they were able to do it. Really, it came against those bad teams. It's the bad teams that really killed the Yellow Galaxy's, you know, unbeaten streaks or or at least killed their confidence. It was the draws against San Jose and D.C. United and then the draws against Colorado and Minnesota, and it was the loss in Colorado um, that really started this game uh, going down the tubes. But, I mean, I, I said it in my game recap. Even Zlatan Ibrahimovic, and you pointed it out, um, looks sort of like a shell of himself right now. There's there's no there's no connection. And in this particular game with RSL, you look at that midfield and the midfield was so disconnected, was so not uh stout, allowed RSL to attack directly down the middle. I was shocked at how bad a midfield with Jonathan Dos Santos, Perry Kitchen, and Servando Carrasco was. And you see the connections they try to build between each other and there's just nothing there. 
Um, and and it's disappointing to see a team that really with three players who played enough, you would expect there would be some chemistry there. I would say that anytime you play three defensive midfielders, and for this year, I'm saying that Jonathan Dos Santos is a defensive midfielder because I haven't seen much in his in terms of distribution uh, from that ten spot, and he was really playing in his brother's spot there, the Geo spot um, at at the ten. The, the Geo spot. The Geo spot. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the geo spot. You know, you know why you have to call it the geo a spot. New t-shirt coming. <laughs> I don't think that one's safe for work. Um, no, the the geo spot. And the only reason you call it that is because it's not really a it's not really a two way midfielder. It's not really a number ten. It's just some sort of creative guy who makes runs and is able to be that third option in the box whenever Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic are able to open up space. Giovanni dos Santos can fit in there, but uh, Jonathan doesn't do a good job there. Sebastian Legette plays that plays that position totally different, and you see that even whenever he comes in, he plays further back. He's deeper. He's more of a linking midfielder than, than Jonathan Dos Santos is. And you saw Siggy Schmidt go to Alessandrini. Um, you saw him go to Sebastian Legette off the bench, and people were wondering why that didn't happen sooner. And the real reason, again, is that these guys are all injured. Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos, Roman Alessandrini, uh, Sebastian Legette were all injured. I think Siggy probably waited as as little as he possibly could, understanding that he was going to have limited minutes from those guys, and that's probably why. So people asking for subs sooner, if you looked at the bench, half the bench was injured, um, and he needed those players to come in, and so that's why he probably had to wait a little bit longer, and then the game really gets out of hand in the second half, and, and it goes away. I, I The only thing I question Siggy with is starting Siani again, although I almost feel like he didn't have a choice in my mind whenever I was setting lineups once I knew Legit and Pontius were out. Um, and Allison Drini wasn't going to be available to start. I also had a problem filling in those back lines. And I do this exercise every single week um, on game day or before game day or as I'm writing previews is figure out who's healthy and where people are going to start. And I'm like usually 90, 95% pretty close. Um, I did not expect to see JDS. Um, I did not expect to see Carrasco and Kitchen all together in the center of midfield. In fact, I, I didn't guess that one at all. I thought that was a little bit of a stretch for me. But uh, you saw what happens. Michael Ciani's not a good player. We've said that before. The Galaxy will not have him on this team next year. And that's sort of, I guess, the silver lining from this game is that, once again, it reinforced that. But if you're the Galaxy looking for a playoff, playoff spot here, Kevin, uh, those hopes dwindling quickly, very, very, very quickly. Well, I guess the, the what I take away from that is don't touch the Galaxy in the Geo spot. But I also <laughs> wonder, too, and this is not uh, meant to be a, a, a huge knock on Carrasco, but he did struggle a little bit in the Seattle game. He did have that own goal. Um, he plays against Real Salt Lake. I mean, one, one connection between the two games is Carrasco played a lot and they gave up all those goals. I, I like Baggio Husidic, and, and I'm wondering why he's not getting a chance to play. Um yeah, I know that, that Ziggy is not a big Baggio fan, and and uh, I know a lot of the fans aren't Baggio fans for that matter, but could he do any worse? I mean, you know, we got to change it up somehow. Um, why not just let him go out there and see what happens? I mean, may, maybe he maybe he does, he's not the answer, but we don't know if we don't ask the question. The other thing is, is I, you probably heard on the broadcast, I know it, it, it really stuck with me, Kobe Jones talking about how um, – at this point in the season, everybody is hurting. Everyone's got little knocks and dings, and it depends. You know, it's you, you always hear about those guys that won't come out of the lineup. No matter how hurt they are, they go out there. They're gamers. They play through it. Um, I wonder if the Galaxy are lacking that a little bit. Are there guys who wake up with a little bit of a twinge and decide, you know, they need to go to the hospital? That uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's terminal cancer. Uh, are are these guys with little injuries actually trying to play through them and Ziggy stopping them? I I don't know enough, and we're not privy enough to the injury details to know whether some of these guys are not 
willing to pay to uh, play through a little bit of pain because whatever um, at this point the World Cup is over so that's not an issue but um, I, you know I'd like to know a little bit more about that because there, you know Ziggy at one point earlier in the year before the World Cup seemed to be frustrated with a couple of players who said that they were injured but he didn't believe that they were really hurt that bad and now is the time when you know guys have got to step up and play if they if they can walk they can play um, it, to a certain degree and you just seem you see a lot of guys that that keep taking the way out with injuries and you see them walk you know both Dos Santos brothers at one point or another this year were both out with injuries and we saw them walking around there were no limps there were no there were no pain uh but they couldn't play and, and I just don't get it at this point of the season with everything at stake you would think those guys would want to be out there well and and I'll tell you one of those guys who I think is one of the one of the guys who you like have to pull off the field is Chris Pontius I mean, he's been playing with Knox and getting beat up and, and playing tons of minutes, uh, maybe more minutes than his body really can handle. And the fact that he was not even in this lineup tells me that something is wrong. Um, and in fact, something could be seriously wrong because uh, Pontius isn't one of those guys who comes off just because his ankle's a little bit sore or, uh, or, or isn't the thing. So it's interesting. He was, a, a, a in terms of a, a late scratch, I believe he traveled. I believe everybody traveled. Um, on this particular road trip, Kevin, you and I were, were told that I believe, um, but I do, but Pontius isn't even in the 18 man roster, which leads me to believe that there could be something there, which really hurts the galaxy in terms of, you know, what he was able to provide throughout this year. I mean, I consider him one of the best pickups the galaxy had this season. Um, and, and he's been more than worth whatever amount of money, uh, the galaxy have been paying him so far. So it's it's one of those that yeah, yeah I think you're right I mean everybody is hurting at this point I think the fact that Roman Alessandrini came on into this game uh, was a little bit surprising because he tends to be somebody who who really wants to make sure that he's 100 percent before he steps back on the field and he came out I think the fact that Giovanni dos Santos came out quite honestly Kevin right on time you know three weeks um, after an injury uh, which is we were told three to four weeks so we all assumed it would be four weeks and he comes out three weeks so I think the get the desperation for the galaxy was shown there. Um, I think those guys coming in had absolutely no effect on the game at that point because, except for, I, I shouldn't say no effect, Ramon Alessandrini came onto the game, uh, took two touches, and scored a goal. Um, so, I mean, that's something. Jonathan Dos Santos had a great uh, goal inside of 40 seconds, which I believe is the fastest goal the Galaxy scored this year. Uh, and I didn't even look at how fast it was because, quite honestly, a 6-2 scoreline doesn't really mean that I should go look up how fast that goal was scored. Um, but there have been fast goals in history. That may be one of the quickest ever in Galaxy history in terms of uh, uh, scoring quickly. So Jonathan Dos Santos. The Galaxy were in a perfect position here, Kevin, but they also were in an unfamiliar position, which is scoring first in the first 40 seconds. I wasn't assuming that they would be able to hold that up very quickly. And, of course, um, you know, Real Salt Lake made them pay for that uh, in the 14th minute and then the 45th minute and the 48th minute and the 61st minute and the 68th. It could have been, they could have had eight or nine, I thought. They could have. You know, and they were still going for it at the end of the game, obviously thinking about goal differential and things with the playoffs coming up because their goal differential, even with the, the two, even with the two six goal games, their goal differential is still only plus two. So obviously they were, uh, I think they were thinking about the goal differential, but the, the Galaxy talking about this being a must-win game and, and talking about how much they needed the points and all that, and you see them go out and score in the first minute. You know, you, you ha as a Galaxy supporter, you had to have a good feeling at that po point, thinking, hey, they've really taken this seriously. I mean, they're coming out aggressively and going at it. That's always been the problem. Hasn't the first half been the problem with the Galaxy all season? Yeah. And it takes a little bit of a, a, of a halftime locker room talk, um, uh, you know, come to Jesus moment in the locker room before they they sort of wake up and go after it. Um, so the way that they came out looked great, but um, once that 
they had a little bit of bad luck in the second half, maybe a little bit more than a little bit. They had a lot of bad luck. And then the own goal kind of caps that. And then, uh, you know, it, it all all heck broke loose. And that was the end. The boat started sinking and there was no way to save it at that point. Well, the LA Galaxy now at a minus three goal differential. Kevin started the game at a plus one, uh, finished at a minus three. And by the way, for most of the season, they actually have been in the plus territory, uh, which is different than they were last year. I'll, I'll remind you, last year they finished with a minus 22 goal differential. Uh, this year, however, uh, just a minus three at the time, and the Galaxy still could bring that up. And goal differential does come into play uh, in tiebreakers, so it's something the Galaxy are going to have to keep an eye on, and certainly not something you should give up, uh, you know, a minus four on a night against Real Salt Lake. But now, Kevin, I remember looking back at the LA Galaxy defense and saying, hey, you know what? They've actually been playing better than last year. If you just look at goals conceded, and it doesn't look like they're going to be worse than they were last year. Well, they, of course, have, have allowed uh, 11 goals in their last two road games. Uh, 54 goals now they have conceded on the year. That puts them third. If the season ended right now, that puts them third worst in Galaxy history. Um, in the Bruce Arena years, by the way, the most goals they ever gave up was in 2012 uh, with 47. Uh, right now they're at 54. Last year they gave up 67. Um, and uh, in 2008 they gave up 62. So if you want to look at how good this defense is or how bad this defense is, uh, it w looks like it's going to be on par with 2008 and 2017. Um, and in fact could very well surpass the 2017-67 goals allowed, which would be... Um, enough of a failure to raise some red flags uh, within the front office and the coaching staff, Kevin, that they spent, uh, as the MLS Players Union uh, tells us with their numbers and their figures, the LA Galaxy have spent more on defense than anybody else in Major League Soccer, and they have, uh, they could have the second or even first worst uh, defense in LA Galaxy history. 54 goals, 67 is the, uh, is the record that was set last year. The LA Galaxy have six games remaining. Uh, so yeah, they're going to get close to that if they don't break it. Yeah, it's going to be very close. Um, and, well, and here's some yeah. other alarming numbers. Yes. Um, we talked about Ziggy's road to the playoffs and, uh, includes three home wins, and he didn't say who they're going to beat, but he did. Uh, we do know there's only three games left, and they're against Vancouver, Seattle, and Houston. Uh, interesting that, um, that Seattle and Vancouver, both with five wins on the road, they have the second most, they're tied for the second most wins on the road in the Western Conference. So my point is they're going to be hard to beat at StubHub Center. Um, and the Galaxy, by the way, have more losses and ties at home combined than they do victories. So once again, you know, the, it's a very narrow road to the playoffs. And the way Ziggy has it uh, laid out, those are going to be very uh, tough numbers to match. And and remember, they, they do have two weeks off now. Or what? Yeah, two weeks off. And yes. then they go to Toronto, who uh, – they're the defending national or defending MLS champions. They don't have a ton to play for other than pride, but I would imagine they're going to try to make some sort of a stand. And uh, my guess is that starts with the Galaxy. Yeah, I mean, they just fell to LAFC over the weekend, and uh, Michael Bradley frustrated after that game, uh, that, of course, playing against his dad. Um, but talking about how uh, how that team, how this team in 2018, Michael Bradley speaking of Toronto FC, saying that the they don't have the, you know, we live and die by every single game mentality that they had in 2017, and that people forgot how difficult it was to win a championship, um, you know, in the years prior, in 2016, when they came so close, in 2017, 
2017 when they did uh, did actually win it, and that people don't have that same mindset again. I would I would go back to the LA Galaxy, a team now, Kevin, that is pretty much devoid of anybody who remembers what it was like to win a championship for the LA Galaxy. Um, this team doesn't understand that fight in and fight out every single day. It's up to the coaching staff, it's up to the front office to bring in guys who have that mentality, but I'll, I'll be honest, I feel that the LA Galaxy are way short on leadership right now. Um, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic can yell and scream at people all he wants, but that's not necessarily the leadership that they always need. Uh, Ashley Cole might be a little bit too quiet of a leader sometimes. Uh, I think he gets frustrated. I don't know. Everybody really likes him and you hear about him, but you don't see him interacting with his teammates as much. Uh, David Bingham, you know, during this last game, Kevin, was pointing to people, was saying, hey, cover this guy, and that guy would eventually get the ball and would score, and he would look at his defense like, I, I, I just told you to move there, and nobody moved. So, I mean, there has to be a frustration level. I do not agree, however, and, and people said this, uh, that the LA Galaxy gave up in that game. I don't think they quit. Um, you look at the goals that they gave up, and yeah, they gave up. They, first of all, they gave up some really great goals. It was just bad defending. It wasn't necessarily quit. It wasn't people getting red cards like last year, Kevin, uh, in, in trying to get off the field because they didn't want to be on the field anymore. Uh, you know, certainly Jermaine Jones and Yellow Von Dom fit those, uh, those profiles for those two players last year. Um, that's not what I see, and I don't see it whenever I talk to players, even off the record, of this team has quit. I don't believe that. I believe this team thinks that they're better than what their record shows, but that the work rate that they've put in so far is not even close to what they need in order to be competitive in Major League Soccer in the Western Conference. Um, that being said, again, only three points out of the, out of the, the last playoff spot, but with uh, those other teams playing this weekend, or uh, Kevin, and the LA Galaxy not playing during the international break, uh, it will be interesting to see what those results do and whether they help or hurt the Galaxy. So far, almost every result that could hurt the Galaxy has happened. Uh, I've watched it over the last two weeks. Anything that the Galaxy could possibly... Oh, hey, if Portland and Seattle get a draw, that would really help. Oh, nope, Seattle won that game. Okay. Oh, if Portland can't... If Toronto can just draw Portland in, in, in Toronto... Oh, nope, Portland beat Toronto. Um, so anything that really could help the Galaxy has not helped the Galaxy. It's gone the opposite direction, and that will be continue to be the thing that you have to watch. And it is not up to the Galaxy anymore, Kevin, about whether or not they get in. They have to win every single game, um, and not necessarily every, all six, but they have to go with the mindset. They have to get points and win every single game from here on out. But the ultimate decision of whether or not they get in the playoffs is probably going to come because of somebody else losing points when they should have um, or you know, any, anything else. The Galaxy might slide into the playoffs, but even at 13%, um, leaning more towards them missing the playoffs than, uh, than getting the playoffs. Well, and by the way, Los Angeles to Toronto is the third long, longest possible road trip in MLS. Vancouver and Seattle to Atlanta, it's slightly longer, but it's uh, we're talking like within 100 miles or at least 150 miles. So the Galaxy kind of, uh, you know, maybe the, one of the tougher trips of the year coming up. Um, you know, again, that's, you know, it, it just seems like things are working against them. And you talk about the team not quitting. Um, I wanted to make a joke and just say, well, if, if that's, you know, if they're not quitting and they still give up, uh, you know, the 11 goals in back-to-back -back games, that's not very good. But um, the other part of it is when you talk about leadership, uh, Ashley Cole was a pretty good leader when they were winning. He is kind of a guy that uh, he's very upbeat. Um, when they lose, he gets very down. And you heard him talk repeatedly saying, we can't figure out what's wrong. It's the same mistakes every time. We, we keep making the same dumb errors. And he was really at his wit's end. And I think that's 
where the team needed him to step up and be a leader, and it, it, it just wasn't in his personality. He was great when the, uh, with keeping everyone together and, and joking around when things are going well. When things are not going well, it's hard to joke around. People just don't take it right. Uh, another thing that comes, and, and being around train, I've seen this uh, from a couple of players. You see it in their eyes. You see it in some of the comments they make. Uh, you can't really quote them because on the written page it doesn't come off the same way, but it's the, the tone and tenor of what they say. When a team is going okay, everyone's pointing on the same end of the rope and everyone's happy and things are going well. When the team starts to lose, and when it loses like this, when it's catastrophic losses, there are guys that are sitting on the bench um, who say, I can do better than that. Give me a chance. Let me get on the field. And when the, they don't get that, then they start to turn really negative. And it gets, it start, it's a bad situation. It's a snowball rolling downhill. Um, those guys who were very supportive of everything going on, all of a sudden they're against everything going on because the philosophy is not working and they're not getting the chance to fix it. And it's, that's part human nature and part being a competitive athlete. But my point is that once the, the things start going this bad, it's really, it's like trying to turn around a cruise ship in a cul-de-sac. It's very hard to do. Um, and you know, I think that's part of the problem too. The more they lose, the worse it gets and the harder it is to turn it around. Yeah, I mean, it certainly has the effect of, of you know, almost like compound interest. Only it's a, it, it's compound losing. Um, that every time you lose, uh, you sink a little bit deeper, and it's harder to get back into that winning mentality. And it, it's almost like exponentially grows and grows and gets worse and worse. And with these quote unquote must win games in these guys' head, and you you said it, you know, coaches don't want to say it because if you lose a must win game, and then what do you do after that? Um, I, I would say that the Galaxy players are going to have a difficult time. I think the time off that they're going to get between now and the Toronto game is probably going to do them a little bit, a little good to get away from it, uh, to not train, to get away from the, the game and clear their minds a little bit. I think Sebastian Legette was celebrating his birthday in New York. I think I saw an Instagram post from that today, uh, which is good. I, I would I would almost say that, although he's also uh, with the U.S. men's national team. So that would make some right. sense, too. So, so Yeah, he was in New York. Yeah, exactly. It, it, makes some, New York. it makes some sense. But no, I mean, I think other players are going to get away a little bit. It's This isn't about at this point I, I would argue and even even almost against maybe uh maybe conventional wisdom that training isn't the problem right now it's the mentality that's coming you know during the games uh i think that they found that mentality they found the fight they found the physicality that they wanted against lafc trying to match that is difficult they clearly do not like lafc those teams do not like each other they know it's going to be a big game they've got it circled uh however much the front office wants to pretend like it's just another game which is ludicrous um it's not just another game and so you can see this galaxy team has the talent and they have the passion to be able to step up and play in those games and win those games and and be dangerous in those games what do you do whenever you're playing against Real Salt Lake, who you should be pumped up against? I mean, RSL has sort of been one of those quiet rivals for the LA Galaxy for years. But again, with the changeover, with the the fact that there really is nobody there from you know the last mm, four or five years with the LA Galaxy, with that changeover, is that mentality gone as well? Is that how you lose some of these rivalries and understand that when you go to RSL, the pitch is going to be hard, you're at altitude, and they're going to put on a show to play against the LA Galaxy? They always have. Uh, going into uh, RSL has always been a difficult proposition for the Galaxy. And, uh, and you know, Mike Petke had them playing well, and they were on a roll, and they had just scored six goals against Colorado, which, by the way, happened because Colorado was down two players. The LA Galaxy played 11 v. 11 the entire game. Um, so if you want to look at the two losses that were worse, it was the fact the Galaxy got beat by six, six, goals, uh, six goals to two with 11 players rather than Colorado losing six to nothing with uh, nine players. 
Um, so yeah, just just lots of little things here that are starting to take off. And if it doesn't go right, uh, listen, I'm not saying, and, and I think people gave me a, a bunch. In fact, I know they did. They gave me a bunch of crap for my headline saying the Galaxy's playoff chances took a hit. They did. Um, they went from, you know, 28% to 13%. I mean, that's a hit, but it's not 0% yet. Um, and that fact needs to sustain the LA Galaxy. They need to have that, uh, you know, pushed into their veins, and that's what powers them for the next six games, is that it's not 0%, and they still have a chance. Uh, they go off. Oh, I guarantee this, Kevin. They win the next six games, they go to the playoffs. Um, they will be there. But them trying to win the next six games is a laughable sort of uh, idea right now, seeing how they played. Even when you throw in the LAFC game, which is, I think, one of the best games they played all season. Um, it's just difficult to see them getting that momentum and feeling that sort of positivity that they had during the unbeaten streak, you know, not too long ago. Well, Dr. Pato, you talked about the injuries being a problem. Now they have two weeks off. Everyone comes back injured, and if they don't, you're still going to use injuries as a, an excuse for this because if you can't get healed in two weeks, if you're walking around and you can't get healed for a game in two weeks, um, you know, then maybe you should look for another job to do yeah. or something. No, no, I mean, I think you're right. I think they will. I mean, I think they were borderline almost completely. Remember, last time they came back completely healthy, that was when Rolf Felcher came into the game. Uh, he start, or yeah, he started the game. He came in. Everybody was like, oh, the Galaxy are 100% injured. There's nobody. And they lost four players including all three designated players in between in 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 90 minutes of soccer over two games um that's what happened so every time you think the galaxy have been completely healthy uh something always seems to take a turn for the worse and 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 set everything back but you think you're right the two weeks means that you know they're 100 that the get that the lineup they put in against toronto is going to be absolutely everybody that they have um, and, and I think that means that Giovanni Dos Santos is healthy. I think Jonathan Dos Santos, but you also have, and uh, you know, if the galaxy front office isn't already p p uh, praying to the soccer gods, Kevin, uh, you have three players going away on international duty right now. You have uh, Rolf Felcher going with Venezuela. You have, uh, Jonathan Dos Santos going with Mexico and you have Sebastian Legette as we've talked with the U S men's national team, all three players, by the way, Kevin, all coming off injuries recently. Um, and so I even posed the question is like, should the galaxy have even let them go? And of course I got the responses back. Well, they have to, it's a FIFA window. Listen, this is how you get away, get around that. Uh, the player declines the call up because you say, Hey, we need you here. You shouldn't go. We don't want you to get injured. We need to make a push. But in the galaxy's position where they're at right now, all three of those players, Kevin, not necessarily regulars in terms of starters on any of this, all three of those players want to be with those national teams right now, trying to get in for the next cycle, set themselves up for the next cycle to be starters in this next cycle. Jonathan Dos Santos, especially, I mean, he's a guy who's played a lot of minutes for the Mexican national team, but is, wasn't exactly a starter whenever they went to the World Cup this year. Um, I think he only played 35 total minutes. So these are all guys trying to prove something. So how can you tell them to decline a call up right now, uh, especially with the Galaxy's playoff chances hovering around 13%? Well, and, and Chris Klein knows a little bit about that. He kind of had a cup of coffee with the national team and and, and uh, more than a cup of coffee. But, I mean, he really didn't catch on. He wasn't a you know, World Cup starter and everything. Um, I talked to him very early when I first started doing this because I was trying to get my head around this very same thing. And you're in the middle of a pennant race. you got a guy that's a little bit dinged up, and you let him go to the national team. I mean, what, what are you telling your season ticket holders when you do that, when you say, hey – our playoff hopes right on this guy, but we're going to let him take his sore calf off to, you know, to Algeria and play for his national team. And in Chris Klein made a very passionate argument about how important the national team is, uh, you know, for a player and how important it is in a career. And, and, and I guess in the back of that was a little bit of maybe a little bit of, 
regret that he didn't get to do more, you know, when he was, uh, you know, playing. And so that's all part of it. it and and the U.S. or Galaxy, rather, are very big supporters of the U.S. national team program, which explains, you know, uh, why Sebastian Legette got to go. But, you know, it, it, it is tough. I mean, I, I do think that you had... You know, two guys, especially coming off injury, Rolf's been healthy for a little while, but but two really important guys, Sebastian and, and Jonathan, coming off injuries. These are exhibition games. Yes, it's the start of a new cycle, but they still are friendlies, and no one's going to the World Cup tomorrow. Um, you, it, it, there, there comes, a, it, it, I guess it gets down to tradition, and, and there is a lot of tradition in soccer, like when a player is hurt and the other team rolls the ball out of bounds, that kind of stuff. There's a lot of sportsmanship. There is a lot of tradition. And this is part of it. It's, on one hand, I understand the argument why you're letting the guys go. On the other hand, uh, you know, if you don't let them go, then you're being kind of a jerk, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, it totally backfires on you if you if you don't let a player go. I mean, it really has to be the the player's decision. Although you can force that sometimes. Like I said, you could say, "Hey, you're going to decline this call up. We need you to stay here." And sometimes that happens. I remember Landon Donovan doing it. Um, you know, Omar Gonzalez has done it before, where they turned down the national team. But you're also talking about guys like Landon, who was established on the team. He knew he was going to start whenever he played. He knew they didn't need him for this exhibition, and the playoffs were coming, and they need him. And and you know, the fact the Galaxy aren't playing a game they're not missing any time that's that's another thing that comes into this you know other teams are, are missing are, are going to be playing games this week the galaxy aren't so it's real tough to be able to say hey jonathan yeah you can't go to with mexico because uh yeah we, i know we're going to take a couple days off and we're going to train light for the first week and then we're going to get back to training the second week but we want you to just stay here and, and do that because we don't want you playing with the mexican national team it's it's not a thing but it will be uh, I would say if you are a, a Galaxy supporter that you're going to be watching those games with a little bit of, of dread knowing that any of those players goes down right now, Kevin, and those are significant pieces to the LA Galaxy's plan of trying to reach this playoff. And if they go down, I think that's not. Now, I, I, I know most people who have written to me have already written off the playoffs. I'm just telling you it's not dead. Um, and it shouldn't be dead. And if the Galaxy win all six games, they'll make the playoffs. I mean, it, it's it's they'll have to beat Seattle, which would be a six-point swing. Uh, you know, they would jump above Vancouver with with uh, that six-point swing as well. It really puts them in a spot where basically everybody else would have to win all their games, and it's just not going to happen. So uh, the chances may be 13%. Uh, I don't want to be the optimistic person. This isn't me being optimistic. This is just me showing, telling you about the math and how it works. And the Galaxy, realistically, if they won all six games, would be in the playoffs. That's how it works. Was that was well, that too optimistic? That felt too optimistic. Yeah, that was awfully optimistic. And by the way, I'll just I just looked it up here. Chris Klein did play 22 games with the national team, started 12 of them. Um, but Chris Klein also played for the 2008-2007 uh, uh, LA Galaxy, which was the last team uh, to miss the playoffs in consecutive seasons. Yeah, those were bad teams. 2007-2008, uh, and then Serena came in uh, at the end of 2008 and turned it around in 2009. Um, all right, I want to get to a call here. This is Michael from Whittier. Uh, he called in, and he thinks that uh, Siggy is over the hill here, Kevin. So let's, uh, let's hear what he has to say. Hey, guys, this is Michael calling in from Whittier. It goes without saying, but the game has seriously passed Siggy by. You know, we had a solid outing against LAFC with a, with a back line of, of Felcher, Romney, and Jorgen, and... Siggy decides to throw in Siani because he's healthy now. Siggy clearly prefers his big, brutish defending, which is, you know, shows glimmers of hope at times, but you can count on Siani making boneheaded mistakes that cost you a goal or two throughout every game. So that was one issue. And then starting Jonathan Dos Santos at altitude after he had been out a few games, I knew from the beginning when I saw the starting lineup that that was going to be an issue. And sure enough, throughout the game, Jonathan Dos Santos checked out, costing us a few goals at a time. He would just check out and, and let... 
players just run right by him without a challenge. So, you know, you could tell he was trying to catch a breather because other times he would go in and tackle and, and successfully win a ball. So that, that was definitely an issue starting Jonathan. And so maybe I'm in the minority here, but at this point in the season, after last night's result, I think we should start thinking about next season. There's no point in squeaking into the playoffs. I understand what you were saying last show where if we can get hot and get into the playoffs and get into the form and go into the playoffs hot, we can maybe do some damage and make a run at MLS Cup. But honestly, that, that's not, it doesn't look like this team is capable of that. And even if, let's say, Portland and any other teams that were chasing Real Salt Lake and, and Vancouver were to decline and we somehow squeak into the playoffs, there's, there's no point in that in going out in the first round. Because realistically, that's the best case scenario I see for this team. So I think we should start thinking about next season. Let me know what your thoughts are on that. Thank you. Bye. All right, Michael from Whittier. Lots of stuff to cover there, Kevin. I'll let you, uh, you get to pick a topic that, uh, that Michael covered there, and, uh, and you can start with it. Go for it. Well, here's how Ziggy's going to answer that question. And, and I do think that Ziggy um, is probably how, – how do I say this diplomatically? I, I, I do not think that Ziggy and the front office sit down and have philosophical discussions. <laughs> nope. I, I think I Ziggy think... says this is the way it's going to be, and the front office kind of slinks away because, you know – they had some problems last year, and so I feel like they 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 probably don't realistically have much of an argument to to push back with. Um, you know, when Ziggy came in, he found that there really wasn't the scouting department was kind of uh, in you know in chaos and player development and a lot of other things. That's why he brought uh, his son Kurt in to straighten that out. But my point is, Ziggy's going to make the argument that this is a process, and I have just begun this process. Remember, he's only been here a year. And the first two months was trying to triage last season, which didn't go very well. Um, so I think Ziggy's going to say, look, I, I, I went out and I signed some players last year. I started putting the team together. Um, I do know, by the way, that uh, the fifteen, uh, the $1.5 million that went to Zalatan, that was earmarked by the coaching staff for a couple of defenders, which they didn't get. So he's going to make the argument that, you know, I told you guys I needed some defensive help. The, this is Ziggy talking to the front office in this uh, made-up conversation. Ziggy's going to tell the front office, I told you guys I wanted defenders. He went out and got Zalatan. Sure, he helped a lot, but, you know, we still haven't answered the question on defense. Um, and he's going to say, uh, as he told me, he's going to tell the front office, I got most of the guys I want. I'm not quite done with the fine-tuning. Got to get rid of Siani. Uh, we got rid of Jao Pedro. That was a good move. There's a couple other guys I want to get out of here. I want to bring my guys in. Uh, it's not a finished product. You can't judge me. Um, on an unfinished product, even though you did that with Kurt Anafo, I need another season to put this together. And I think the front office is probably going to listen to that if if that's how the argument is made. I don't see them firing Ziggy. Uh, if they get off to a slow start next year or if he isn't able to sign the players he's promised that he's going to sign, then I think maybe things go a little bit sour. But I don't know that after last year's disaster, I frankly don't know that the front office has any kind of an idea or strategy or plan that's better than that. Yeah, I mean, I'll take issue with with something Michael said. You know, starting Michael Ciani, he didn't put him in there because he he wanted to start him. I, I honestly believe that. I, I believe he put him in there because that's how the lineup shook out. Uh, well, as I said earlier, without Pontius, without Roman Alessandrini being able to play that right wing back position, um, they didn't have much of a choice in terms of where you're going to start people. He moved Felcher into position where I thought he didn't play as well, and you saw that against the Seattle in that Seattle game. Uh, Felcher out of the right wing back is is not as good as Felcher being back in that in that three man back line and that center back position uh, and having, you know, Chris Pontius or, or Roman Alessandrini being that push on the right wing back position. So, I mean, there's, 
again, injuries force this lineup. You could almost, if you knew all of the injuries, if you were privy to all the information that Siggy was, you would have picked a very similar lineup. Uh, maybe your your disdain for for Michael Ciani, which I wouldn't say is unwarranted. Uh, maybe your disdain would would make you try to work around him and not put him in there. But quite honestly, the guy's been playing. He has uh, he's he's at least more up to game speed than probably Stares is. Um, even though Stares had a, a a good two minutes against LAFC, um, so you know it, it makes some sense of why you want to do that. And Ciani in that position maybe is a little bit smarter than than trying to do some other things. But it did throw that back line into some some weird stuff. I'll, I'll say this, Jonathan Dos. Santos in that position I agree with you I didn't like it um, but you didn't have Sebastian Legette play there the only person you could have brought in again was Bradford Jameson either Jameson starts on the right hand side as I had suggested earlier or he starts in the middle um, and I wouldn't say that he has been super successful in those positions either so putting Jonathan Dos Santos there is is probably an okay thing and I'll say it wasn't just Jonathan Dos Santos at altitude Jonathan Dos Santos has been doing exactly what you've been talking about in terms of checking out uh, for a long time but in that position he's not necessarily a defensive player he's supposed to be linking that defensive midfield and the defense with those offensive players. So, I mean, even, even him allowing people to skate through the center, which I don't love, Sebastian Legette does a better job, but with Legette injured, you couldn't do it. And that's why you did see a substitution that eventually brought Legette in there. And again, Legette would have started if he was healthy, but he wasn't. And Carrasco wouldn't have started if Legette was healthy, but he wasn't. Um, so, so a lot of these things. And finally, I think the thinking about next year, Kevin, I think you and I, uh, with the discussions that we've had uh, with the, with and around the LA Galaxy organization have known that they have been thinking about next year since this year started um, in terms of, hey, we got the players. We know we need to make some moves. We know there's some expiring contracts and some guys who won't be back next year. They're already well within their plans of next year. Um, and it wasn't just to dismiss this year. This doesn't mean they're not trying, but a good organization is going to go and look forward all the time to what they're going to do down the line. And as you pointed out, Kevin, Siggy Schmidt came into a position and a, 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 a position that, that really didn't have an answer for whenever they lost Yellow Van Dam. There was no, there was no backup there. Um, for trying to find somebody like Michael Ciani. Michael Ciani was a panic buy. Everybody knew that. Uh, the fact that he got put on an 18-month contract is the mistake that they made. Uh, having him in on a six-month contract probably would have been just fine, or not replacing him at all, which seems crazy. Um, and I think even I would have lobbied that they need to replace him. But at the time, if you remember, Ciani came in so late, Kevin, and I think there was only eight, nine games left in the season whenever he came in. So, you know, what is his real impact? His real impact has been to hamstring the LA Galaxy in terms of funds they have to go out and get more defense. Um, well, and that's yeah. that's the thing that Ziggy talks about a lot. That, uh, you know, again, the, the reason why I don't necessarily think the front office and Ziggy get together and hold hands and sing Kumbaya all that much is Ziggy really feels like when he came in, it was a bad situation. They, they had just signed... Jonathan Dos Santos, the day before Ziggy came in, their $10 million uh, of designated player money was gone. They had Their designated players were, were all, their spots were all filled up through the end of the 2019 season. Then the money that went to Siani, which did happen under Ziggy, but again, Siani had them over a barrel. Van Damme just left. They needed to fill that position. I'm sure Siani's agent was, uh, was telling them, you know, look, you need to sign up for a year and a half at this price or we're going to walk. They had nowhere to walk to, but the Galaxy blinked first and signed him. My point is Ziggy came in, and he's been upset about it ever since. There was no flexibility. There were no designated player spots left. There was very little money. The little money that he did have uh, once the season started and he realized he needed some defensive help, that money went to Zalatan. I think even Ziggy would spend that uh, money every day of the week. But the point being that once that money was gone, there was no money left. 
Um, he did get some guys like Pontius. They did come to, to the Galaxy at a little bit of a discount, and that helped a little bit. But I feel like Ziggy has talked uh, a lot um, about how there was no flexibility. There was no room to move. There was no money. There was no roster spots. There were no D- DP spots available. Um, and, uh, again, he's going to make the argument that, look, you guys give me a clean slate, give me a little bit of space, give me a little bit of time, and we'll fix this. And I, I, I just don't see how the front office has anything that they can push back with, uh, any kind of coherent strategy to say, Ziggy, you're wrong. Here's how we're going to do it. I just don't think that's there. Well, and the other big thing, and this goes into, you know, people calling for Ziggy Schmidt to be sacked. Um, and certainly with the record that he's had, he's done better than Anolfo in terms of this season. Um, but he's also had a better, a longer chance to, to coach this team and, and to bring in players that he wanted to bring in. But here's the thing. If you get rid of Siggy Schmidt right now, and this is my own personal opinion on this, if you get rid of Siggy Schmidt right now, you're starting all over again in 2019. The plan that Siggy has isn't just about the players on the field. It's also about behind the scenes, as you talked about, Kevin, you know, strengthening the scouting, looking at those, th- those, uh, the, the physical needs of the players in terms of the health care that's provided in terms of their nutrition, um, all those things that have been biting the galaxy in the last couple of years in terms of injuries. So he's trying to strengthen those positions as well. And these are not just one year things that can happen. And sure, if you get rid of Siggy, you could continue to try to build the scouting network out and do those things. But you're just you're going to start all over again. And starting all over isn't always a great idea unless you have a better plan. And Kevin, you nailed it. I don't think they have a better plan. Um, I don't think right now that I would make that move. I might make other moves. Um, There's certainly uh, an argument to be made, at least in my mind, that a front office that now has failed to provide players or who has pushed certain players over other players uh, that have influenced a roster now over the last probably two, three, four years uh, may be meddling too much in the fact that uh, Siggy Schmidt is not a general manager. Um, so he may have quote unquote total control over player personnel, but we also know that he can be overruled in that particular spot as well. Whereas a general manager might have a little bit more. The galaxy don't have one. Um, they're sort of letting the, the responsibilities of a GM be shared through multiple people. And sometimes that's not a great thing. That's so, not a great thing because their buck has to stop somewhere. And, and what you hear with a lot of teams in every sport, when a coach is fired or a general manager, fired, whatever, for that matter, they say, we just wanted to go in another direction. You know, you hear that all the time. And that, that means that there was a difference in philosophy between the coaching staff and the front office. There is no direction for the. I don't see it at least. There is no direction for the front office. for. So they can't very well let Ziggy go and say, we want to go in another direction when they don't have any direction to go in. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a difficult position. And I'll say this, they also can't be, if you are Chris Klein or if you are Pete Vianis or, or any of the guys in the front office, even if you're Dan Beckerman, I mean, trying to, somebody going to Dan Beckerman right now and saying, listen, we need to get rid of Siggy Schmidt. He's not working out. And then the question comes back to Chris Klein and, and the president, as the president, it's like, well, that's now two coaches you've gone through in two years what's going on why it seems like maybe it's not a coaching issue it seems like you're picking the wrong guys if this is the case and if you're picking the wrong guys then are you but then why should you be keeping your job I mean a lot of this stuff comes down to it's the same thing people ask if if they ask Kevin uh you know why can't the galaxy just buy out Giovanni Dos Santos's contract okay cool great idea love it Let's go ahead. AEG has the money, Kevin. It's not about it. It's probably six and a half million dollars for next season if you wanted to buy out Giovanni Dos Santos and let him go wherever he wants to go. So you pay him six and a half million dollars, he goes away. Um, How are you as Galaxy representative going to go to the front office and say, 
yeah, by the way, we uh, Giovanni Dos Santos isn't working for us anymore. We need to pay him $6.5 million to go away, and then we would need to spend more money to bring in another designated player. And yeah, we thought it was a really good idea when we brought him in. And yeah, he's milked, you know, what, 30? Let's see, it's probably not 30. It's maybe over $20 million uh, through his contract from the LA Galaxy from their beginning. But you know what? It was just, it was a bad choice by us. How do you go in there and still keep your job whenever that all happens? And that's where all this stuff sort of hinges. It's not necessarily being done for the great of the Galaxy organization sometimes. It's being done for people to cover their butts. And that's difficult to do if you're in a position, you know, like Chris Klein is and go in and say, we need to get rid of Siggy Schmidt or we need to buy out Giovanni Dos Santos's contract, which are decisions that may need to be made. But it would be difficult for this administration right now to try to do that. Well, what if um, I'll just start the rumor now? What if Bruce Almighty comes back and he's not doing anything right now, still lives up the street? Um, he turned the team around once. It seems like he's the only guy that has the the combination to the lock. Um, what if Bruce Arena comes back? I, I mean, I I don't know that he could. Uh, my first thought would: What if he came back as general manager? And I I just don't see him and Ziggy being able to work right. together. Not because they have any kind of animus between them, but just because they're both very strong personalities. And uh, in that kind of relationship, it, it, you know, someone has to say yes and someone has to say, I'll go along with that. And I just don't see them doing that. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I wonder if, if that's, I don't have any other solution. I don't know what else to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if that's something that, that would be talked about. One of the things the galaxy, it would be very expensive. Um, but the Galaxy always talks about how much money they have, so they can't use that as an excuse. But I, I think maybe the real problem is something that you just talked about is is someone's going to have to take the blame and then someone else is going to have to say this is the only guy that can do it. And then all of a sudden you're in a corner because if it doesn't work then, then what do you do? Yeah, no, it goes. I'll tell you this, that I, I think that going back to Bruce might be a step backwards only because I don't think Bruce left the team in the perfect situation either. Um, I think there were bridges burned whenever Bruce left, so I'm not sure he would be welcome to. Again, it might cost a couple extra million in order to make Bruce uh, forget about how uh, how badly he probably wanted to leave the galaxy there towards the end, and it felt that way just looking and, and seeing how happy he was whenever he was back in charge of the U.S. Men's National Team for that little bit of time. Somebody said, "Yeah, that, he did look. He did look so happy. Was, <laughs> he lost weight. His his face just looked better. He looked really uh, a lot happier." Yeah. So I mean, it, it's one of those things. Didn't end well, but. It's, look happy to start no i mean and and it's one of those things is again you know part of the problems with the scouting you know not being up to snuff and compared with what we're being told the other the rest of the league is is part of that is a bruce arena problem that bruce arena was able to do his scouting and get his stuff done without you know necessarily relying on a large network but there were people who were asking for bruce arena to be fired uh whenever he was uh whenever he finally stepped down as well i mean listen you're you're not going to satisfy everybody but it, at this point in my my personal opinion is you don't get rid of Siggy Schmidt because he's trying to put this this organization back together in a healthy way. Um, he may not always get the calls right. You may not always agree with the lineups that he puts out, but a lot of times uh, I can usually guess his lineups, which means that either I am as bad as Siggy Schmidt is or that I'm as smart as Siggy Schmidt was. Neither of those are true. Um, and somewhere in the in the middle lies probably the truth, which is that with the injuries and, and with the player availabilities we've seen, it's not hard to put together a lineup uh, for the LA Galaxy. So it, it doesn't surprise me um, on some of these lineups. Sorry. <sighs> Anything else, Kevin? Do we? I mean, there's no games to talk about. The next game is uh, on September 15th. Uh, the Yellow Galaxy traveling to BMO Field to take on Toronto FC. That game is Saturday, uh, Saturday, September 15th. Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes is where you can find that particular uh 
game. If you're unfortunate enough to have to watch it off of a, uh, a browser, good luck with that because uh, the Spectrum Sportsnet website is generally one of the worst things on the face of this earth in order to try to watch a game. Uh, but if you're watching it on television, probably won't be too bad. Uh, and if you have the app, that works as well. Just wanted to give you a heads up that, uh, that you're going to want to watch that game on Saturday, September 15th, 4.30 p.m. kickoff time here on the Pacific. And then we talked about Seattle on Sunday, September 23rd, uh, Vancouver on Saturday, September 29th. Those are the la- those are two of the last three home games. The Galaxy then go on the road for two against Sporting Kansas City and against Minnesota. Again, if the Galaxy are out of the playoffs and not doing anything, Zlatan doesn't travel to Minnesota. But what if they're right on the cusp? Oh, that'll be a fun podcast to do. Will Zlatan go play on the worst turf in Major League Soccer in Minnesota in October? Uh, that would be a, a fun one. And then, of course, the LA yep. Galaxy, a uh, Houston Dynamo to close it all out. Baggio is going to go back and pick up part of his broken leg. It's still laying oh. there on the turf. Um, we do have games to talk about, though. We're going to have Jonathan playing in a friendly uh, on Friday with Mexico, playing in Texas. Uh, and then we have the uh, Special Jet in the U.S. playing against Brazil on Friday. That'll be here in uh, northern New Jersey. So we can talk about all that stuff. By the way, you said, do I have anything else? I'm just I'm doing a story here on, on Tim Weah, who's on the U.S. national team. Of course, he's the son of George Weah, the great uh, football player, 1995 player of the year, who was recently elected president of Liberia. And I'm telling you all this because I'm looking through his bio here as we're talking. His alma mater is listed as DeVry University. So you can go to DeVry University and wind up being president of an African country. There you go. Well, that makes sense. You probably be, you know what? I would say that some of that uh, education might be better than the current administration the United States has. So that makes a lot of sense, too. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. DeVry for president. There, that, it works. Uh, it definitely works. Uh, yeah, let's see. I was going to say, I was going to try to give you the uh, the, Venezuelan, uh, the Venezuelan games as well. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. They'll play on Friday in Miami at Hard Rock Stadium um, against Colombia. And then they're going to Panama City to take on P- Panama on September 11th. Um, Dos Santos is, uh, is playing on, as you said, Friday. Uh, that's Mexico versus Uruguay. Um, and that one is in Houston. And then on Tuesday. Tuesday, September 11th, they'll go to Nashville, Tennessee, where they'll play the United States. So you know the other United States game in there as well. So Sebastian Legent and Jonathan Dos Santos could play against each other. Uh, chances of them getting in a tackle together and both getting injured at the same play, Kevin? Oh, that would be that would be that would be perfect for this season. The way it's going, it, it, it certainly uh, would make some sense. All right, remember, uh, well, we, there's an, there's another game this week oh, too, September 7th. Um, that would be Friday, right? Yeah. Yes. There's another friendly, Argentina versus Guatemala, which is at the Coliseum. Ah, so so some soccer in the home in the hometown here. And and I, I looked that up only because you mentioned that that Venezuela was playing um, a game here. Obviously, given conditions in Venezuela, they can't go play in Venezuela. So if they're going to play, they were kind of in that situation that Bob Bradley was in with Egypt several years ago, where you need to play your friendlies, but you can't play them at home. So they, uh, I see Venezuela going there. But you know, you mentioned Mexico playing two friendlies here. Argentina playing Guatemala in a friendly in Los Angeles. I see that Colombia is going to play Argentina in East Rutherford next week. Um, a lot of these friendlies coming to the U.S. And you keep hearing a U.S. is not a soccer country yet. And, <laughs> and we hear a lot about people from other countries, especially in Europe. They, they look down on the U.S. and they, they poo-poo us. We're not a soccer country. But you know what? They love dollars because these these teams would not be coming to, these, to play these games here unless they were getting big – guarantees and they were guaranteed of making some money on these games why would argentina want to play well maybe because of they they struggled so badly in the world cup no one would come to their games at home but I, I, a powerful country like argentina and soccer why would they want to play their two their first two friendlies after the world cup why would they want to play them in the united states unless they think they're just going to make a boatload of money so when people tell you 
that the U.S. is not a soccer country, pull out your wallet and find out how accepting they are then. <laughs> that works. Uh, a reminder, Panda and Pato go mini-golfing September 16th. Head on over to Corner of the Galaxy on Facebook. You can RSVP for that. So that way we know you're coming. Uh, I know lots of people say they're going to wear their Panda and Pato uh, t-shirts, which are the quite ugliest thing I've ever seen. Um, and we appreciate everybody putting them on and actually showing them. People are saying it's their favorite shirt that they've ever gotten. Uh, some guy said that he had to explain that shirt to all of his coworkers and realized halfway through that they don't care, so we enjoy that as well. But uh, quite honestly, it's hysterical. Uh, we love it. It was probably the furthest out there that Kevin, you and I have ever gone on one of these things. And yet, this, yet, yet, yes. Just keep that open. We have we 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 can lower the bar as far as we want to. We can dig a hole and keep going. So after the Toronto FC game that Saturday on September fifteenth, you can come mini golfing with us in Anaheim on Sunday, September sixteenth. Again, eleven a.m. Let us know if you're coming. Uh, if you don't have Facebook, you can email us corner of the galaxy at gmail. Com. Appreciate that heads up so that way we can sort of uh, call the call the place and tell them that all yeah. these crazy people with T-shirts are going to show up. And you know. we are not picking up the greens fees. However, we will take care of the uh, golf carts, correct? That's, that's, and and the um, caddies. We'll and, take care of the golf carts and the caddies. That's that's right. That's what we'll do. Uh, I think it's and a Josh is taking care of the nineteenth hole. Thank th you very much for that. Yeah, dude. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, yeah, I think it's eleven dollars per person for for regulars, uh, and then uh, ten dollars per person for juniors. Uh, I heard Mrs. Panda's going to be there, and Mrs. Pato's going to be there. Yeah, they're um, both playing again for the Paisley Windbreaker. That's right. Uh, extra medium. We should get a trophy. I need to find a stupid trophy, and we should like raffle it off. There's, it's not a tournament. We're just going out to play. Uh, I, of course, will be competing against every one of you and trying to bury you. Um, but it's not really a tournament. There's nothing. We're just going to go out, have fun. We can make fun of each other. We can certainly make fun of Kevin. Um, and and we'll, we we'll we will make fun of Kevin. That, but if we're going to keep score. If we're going to play, we're going to keep scoring. If we're going to keep score, then somebody needs to get something. And then for the worst score, though, I think we should have some sort, some sort of wooden spoon. I was going to say, I, I have that. I have the actual wooden spoon. Well, Can you I give can't it? give that one. We'll have to make one up. Okay. Maybe a, maybe just just go to McDonald's and get some of the plastic wear and have the plastic spoon. <laughs> the plastic spoon. That's good. Um, and we'll also be awarding Audi, Audi index points for all of the uh, from the entire golf match as well. So, all right, there we go. Uh, that's what we have planned for right now. So uh, please uh, head on over to of the galaxy.com or you can head on over to our Facebook page. Let us know you're coming. Panda and Pato go mini golfing September 16th, 11 a.m. Tee off time. So you can be there a couple minutes early. I'll be there a couple minutes early. We'll get together. We'll go out. We'll play. We'll have some fun. We'll laugh. We'll cry. Uh, and then we'll talk about the galaxy a little bit more. All right, Kevin, anything else uh, you want to uh, say there from the uh, from the wrong side of the coast? No, no, it's uh, it's it's wonderful here in the home off in the uh, regional office, and I'll make sure I lock the doors on my way out. Thank you, appreciate it. Rents due on uh, on Monday, actually, or actually next Monday. Yeah, that's how it works. All right, uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter, you of course can find him at kbaxter11. Uh, look for him there at, on Twitter and then latimes.com. Uh, Kevin does a great job of covering soccer here in the United States, covering the, uh, the Southland teams as well. So make sure you check him out. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jguesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast on Twitter. Cornerofthegalaxy.com is where you can find all of our information. I'll even put up the event listing there as well. So keep an eye open for that as well. Uh, let's see. Uh, other than that, LA Galaxy have no games. We will have a live show on Thursday, so make sure you check that out. For Mr. Kevin Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. 
And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. Panda and Pato in the